I'm just going to pick the most annoying character John has and say, you turn all of that annoyance to the people that aren't here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if if three of his three characters aren't farmers, I'm going to have a hard time visualizing this. (laughs) (laughs) Damn, none of them are farmers. Wait, wait. I'm sure one would be the Jolly Green Giant. Do we have an Asian character somewhere in here? That was almost well, yeah. out the nose, Paul. God. <laughs> An Asian I was just going to say, farmer. I'll go the same route I did as Paul, and I'll just pick the hot chick character. How's that? <laughs> the hot farmer chick. Hot farmer chick. Yeah. The hot farmer Asian chick who knows karate. <laughs> That's the sandbox session. Good night, everybody. We just created your character, John. Give her a name. Paige Aki gets the designer. We're set. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the first character sandbox session for season two of Knights of Rainsboro. I'm Aaron. I'm Paul. This is Tim. I'm John. Whoa, whoa, whoa. John? Like yeah. Jonathan? No. Oh. Uh, no. So well, this I, is I, this I, is some kind of false John. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is the true John. <laughs> <laughs> Every John you've had before has been false. Oh, okay. So, so now the the authentic John has 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 arrived. The genuine John. That's me. <laughs> so, John, how how yeah. might our listeners know you? Well, they might know me if they uh, happen to like actual play recordings of games and have been over to thistledownap.com. I don't know anybody and, uh, who does that. Yeah, I mean, I can't. Anybody, <laughs> I don't either. I, can't, I don't either. Didn't that didn't that podcast pod fade? I don't. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think the but, demographics uh, overlap at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's coming back though. Uh huh. Yeah. I hear a lot of talk. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> he's gonna, he's going to edit this episode and release it six months before we do. <laughs> <laughs> you that discovered my plan. <laughs> that can happen. Damn it, now all ten people will have heard it before they've released everybody else. Hey, you don't know this, but half the season of Star Trek Aegean is already on (laughs) thistledownap.com. Damn you, (laughs) thistledownap.com. And I'd be pissed because I missed it. (laughs) So, John, Mm -hmm. we have invited you to join our merry cast of uh, the Knights of Rainsboro. I'm grateful. Thanks to you all. And you know, as is our process here, we're gonna we're gonna ask you to present to us three characters. But before we do that, we need to establish whether or not you have the street cred to be a, to, to play in our clubhouse, right? So, so really, what right. we need to know first and foremost: When did you read your first comic book? I read my first comic book in 1972. That's not true. That's that not, is very true. No, they it weren't even making comic books back in 1972. <laughs> Comics weren't really, even really invented until like 1980. <laughs> well, I mean, where, actually, are, are, are you comparing them to like hieroglyphics? Yeah, they were on papyrus, but they were really good. Um, <laughs> okay, so 1972. Tell us about 19, that first experience. 1972. Had a friend of mine. Who and you had a very, monster very, fro, right? <laughs> yes, and bell-bottom pants and the whole nine yards, medallions, everything. I was eight years old, but I had it all. <laughs> um, all right. But no, I had a uh, I had a friend who was sick and in the hospital, and uh, my mom, when we went to see him, thought, hey, we'll buy him some comic books to cheer him up. Well, she bought him a couple, and she bought me a couple. And the one that I remember is uh, an issue of The Brave and the Bold. Oh, yeah. Um and it's probably still around here somewhere. But now, that's okay, the Brave hooked. and the Bold was a team-up book featuring mm-hmm. but usually Batman and somebody else. So yes. do you recall who the other uh, who the other hero was? It was Batman, and I think I remember Black Canary. Ooh, ooh, Black Canary, Black Canary. Do, were, were there some nice, uh, you know, scenes with her rolling up the fishnet stockings onto her leg? 
there was a scene where, if I'm remembering this right, Batman and I think Robin was with him. Remember, this is 72, so that's what? How many years ago? I don't want to think. I, nobody can even count that high, John. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it seems like they rounded a corner and they see a pair of fishnet stockings uh, and Black Canary is getting her hair done somewhere and she's kind of kicked back in the chair underneath oh. the dryer thing and she comes out. But yeah, I remember Robin was all uh, acting very frisky and Batman had calmed <laughs> down, I think, if I remember right. Yeah. I may be dreaming that up, but, but I think that's what happened. I, I, I still fondly remember my first encounter with Black Canary in the pages of uh, Justice League. And there's this, this one little panel of her topless, but her, her you know chest, of course, is hidden in the shadows. And mm-hmm. she's rolling on the fishnet stockings. And I, I fondly remember that. that. That stayed with me for a while, if you know what I mean. <laughs> okay, so so it was time. it was a brave and the bold Batman Black Canary. I think this is respectable. So uh, you know, fr- from then, what happened? Did yeah. you, you know, did you start seeking out more comics? Well, then, um, you know, not so much. But let's flash forward to about 1981. Okay, um, I'm in high school, and uh, a friend of mine is big into comics, and we're we're playing. Dungeons and Dragons too, but uh, he gets me to reading some comics, and I'm like, you know what? This is really cool. I remember this when I was younger, and I started uh, started collecting. Uh, it was kind of kind of cool because where we lived, you know, we didn't have a, a local comic book store, so we actually ordered directly from a distributor. And I don't remember how that happened or how we got a hold of the catalog, but we did. And I can remember sitting around and getting the order form and filling it out for the month and sending it in and then anxiously awaiting that big cardboard box full of comics that would show up. And and so would, remember, y'all, would y'all like share the books? No, actually we didn't. We all, we all bought our own and, uh, um, but we kind of hung out and read them all, you know, in the same spot and talked back and forth. Kind of like uh-huh. a podcast, you know, but, <laughs> but without any digital they, recording media. Yeah. Oh. Back before they had the internet. Yeah. Oh. But, uh, but yeah, I can remember that. I mainly collected Marvel and, uh, I seem to remember like the first one I started with back then. It's like X-Men, I don't know, around like the one eighties, maybe I think is where that was. And, I, I did X-Men, I did Thor, I did Avengers, I did Captain America. I, I For a while there, I actually bought every single title Marvel came out with. Uh, Marvel did all of them, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, of course, my favorite, though, was always The Avengers. Mm-hmm. It was always my favorite book. Um, and let's see, I didn't do – I didn't collect any DC at the time, Uh until I guess maybe like uh, Crisis came out, yeah, and I remember buying those and um, started doing a little DC. And then I went, you know, from the early '80s all the way through college, collected all the time. Uh, kind of dropped off a bit until the last few years, and I've been, you know, picking a few up here and there. Uh, so. I guess pretty much that's my uh, that's my comic book story. And so, what are you reading these days? Well, I uh, I really really like uh, digital comics. <laughs> um, Tim, I know what do you some think about people? That? <laughs> I, I it's I don't even care anymore. <laughs> you say that, but you care. You care. I've always I've always liked uh, reading the comics much more than owning the comics. Uh huh. And to be able to get them digitally is uh, is pretty much right up my alley. So um, I've been reading a lot of the new 52 stuff from DC. Um, I really, really, really like Aquaman. Huh? Um, and uh, I just pick up a few things here and there. I've been reading some uh, – going back and reading some of the old Walking Dead since the TV show came out. And uh, um, I guess that's that's about all I'm doing right now. Okay, well, I, I, guys, what do you think about his comic book street cred? F- favorite character, John, right now? Vision. Interesting. Hmm. Interesting choice. I love that synthesoid. 
Um, I don't know why. I, he just always intrigued me. I love the whole uh, the whole uh, insubstantial uh, increase my density kind of thing. I just thought that was always cool. He always um, seems to break too easy to me. He always <laughs> seems to spend a lot of time broken and in a shoebox somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Under Hank Pym's bed. Well, you know, I remember when I started reading The Avengers, which was around issue 160-something, and uh, the Vision had just come back to the team because he had been, you know, broken by somebody. And it seems like since then he's been, you know, he's been broken by so many different, you know, bad guys. And it's always like, you know, big, huge Avengers crisis, and then, you know, let's break the Vision, and then we'll move several storylines down, down the road, and then they'll bring the Vision back. So, yeah, I blurted out Vision, but, of course, there are a few others that are up there for me, and they usually are um, the space guys. Uh, I love Marvel. I love Adam Warlock. Um, all of those guys were always on the tops of my reading list. Say Rocket Raccoon. Say Rocket Raccoon. Love Rocket Raccoon. <laughs> Hoping they do a movie and do it well. <laughs> I hear there's one coming. It's coming. With the Guardians. So oh, that was a book I picked up recently too. When the new new uh, new version of that came out, I picked that up and read all those and really really loved them. The Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy. So Paul, yes, can you accept his comic book street cred? I deem it acceptable. Okay, so that was that was part one, but there Yay. is a second part that you have to pass, John. Mm-hmm. Now, I, and, and I think this is going to be pretty easy for you. Because, you know, we all know you got this this little podcast called ThistledownAP.com. We understand right. that. Right. But, uh, you know, we need to talk about your RPG background, in particular as it relates to the superhero genre. So so, so talk to us a little bit about your, uh, your role-playing game experience. All right. Started role-playing in November of 1980. It was a cold day. It was a cold <laughs> November day, yes. I was... The planes were angry that day, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Uh, No, that's that's when I started. Uh, As far as superhero role playing goes, that came along pretty early uh, with the, I believe, 1981 release of the Champions role playing game. Um, When Champions came out, that was at the time when, as I mentioned before, uh, a big group of us were all collecting comic books. And we were into D&D, and we were into comic books, and Champions came out, and we were like, oh, my God, we can play superheroes. And that just lit us up. I mean, we played Champions uh, constantly for a long time. Uh, absolutely loved it. We tried – you know, we played a little Villains and Vigilantes, too. That was another one that was out then. And um, a little bit later, we played a lot of the old Marvel uh, superheroes game. And uh, we liked those two, and we played a lot of the Marvel game, uh, but I always kept coming back to Champions, and I've been running it ever since in pretty much all of its incarnations. Uh, let's see. I've played uh, the DC, the old uh, Mayfair games, DC Heroes game. Right. Um, that is an excellent superhero system. I love and, that game. Uh, did, yeah, it's really, really good. Did that quite a bit. Um Let's see. I also did um, did the Marvel Saga game, which was played with cards, with a deck of cards. Mm-hmm. That game is really, really good, and it's a shame it didn't last longer than it did. Uh, what else? What other hero games have I played? Well, recently, I've tried uh, the Savage Worlds version of Superheroes, which I liked very well. So, so compare There's- and contrast. Savage Worlds Supers versus... Uh- the, the heroes or champion system. Okay. When you're looking at Savage Worlds, you're looking at a system that moves very fast in combat. And it also um, is, you know, it might take 20 minutes to make up a character. Uh, you look at champions or hero system in general, you're talking really, really crunchy. Lots and lots of, of rules that you can use if you want to. And it's best if you use a piece of software to make characters. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they're very, very different. Uh, the uh, so it kind of depends on what you what you like to go for. If you want something that moves fast, you know, Savage Worlds is your thing. If you're a tinkerer and you like to get inside the mechanics of a character, um, you know, Champions is great for that. All right. 
right. So, you know, at Fear of the Con, you ran uh, – this year you ran your second uh, uh, installment of The Shadow Men. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. Well, brought the uh, we brought the Shadow Men again, out again this year, and uh, it was uh, I thought it was as much fun as it was last year, um, maybe I, more so. I would say it was more fun. Yeah, what was really cool was a lot of you guys repeated your your characters from last year, so I brought them out. You guys already knew who they were, what they did, and all yeah. that. So that was really great. Well, and you didn't run it in slot six, you know, the very last slot of, of the can- of the of the uh, con, and so I was right. awake. So that was that was a, that was a huge bonus for me. <laughs> I, I noticed like, your role playing was markedly better. Oh man, time. no doubt, no doubt. I mean, because I, I when we did that the the first year, oh my god. I mean, you're, the game was great. Don't get me wrong, but I I, w- I was almost catatonic. <laughs> <laughs> almost. Right. So okay, so the Shadow Men. I'm sorry, didn't mean to interrupt you. And I have you describe it because I assume you're going to be releasing that actual play. Yeah, I will. Well, the uh, Shadow Men are um, are a group of heroes that operate in my fictional city of New Jericho, and uh, it is the it's a group of of heroes that operate at night. Uh, they uh, they stick to the darkness. They're the uh, they're the uh, the kind of guys who sort of do what it takes to get the job done. You you contrast them with the the another group of heroes in New Jericho, which are the Crusaders, which is the actual uh, group that I run here at my home game. They are the the daytime heroes of New Jericho, the big the big bright shiny Avengers. That's what they are. So uh, so it's kind of good contrast, and it's sort of funny because I listen to you guys, uh, you know, when we play at cons, and you know, some somebody will always make some comment dogging the Crusaders, and when I play home it, at home, it's always Shadow Man. Who are those guys? <laughs> so that's kind of fun. Cool. When do you think you'll be releasing that on your site? Uh, soon, I hope. Uh, I'm getting the uh, the editing together right now, and I've got. I've got that going. I've got some Champions games that I want to get on there, and we're going to start uh, playing the new Dungeon Crawl Classics game from Goodman Games. I don't know if you've heard about that. But yeah, it's a, I've actually it, read a few of those. Okay, yeah. cool. It's kind of a new take on the on the old school uh, gaming, so we're going to try that, and hopefully I'll get some of those, those up there soon. Oh, cool. So lots to look forward to there. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, what do y'all think? Has he established his uh, role-playing game street cred as well? Well, considering that he uh, already has already volunteered time to the KORR banner, uh huh, yeah, I kind of, I kind of think that shows his dedication. That's that's right, John. We didn't talk about that. You uh, actually ran a game in the Rainsboro setting. I did. I ran Ghosts of Rainsboro at Fear the Con Five, and uh, I had a great time doing that. It was it was fun to take a, uh, I guess you'd call it an established setting, and and put my own spin on it. So, uh, that was great, and I liked how you know we tried to get it to interlock with the other two games, the um, Rogues of Rainsboro, Squires of Rainsboro games yeah. that that you guys ran, and uh, you know it gave me a good uh, good taste of what Savage Worlds is is like for superheroes and. Uh, I think it does the job very well. Paul? Yeah, I think he's got some legitimate street cred there. I, I think we can let him into the club. Okay. One of us. One of us. One of us. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. I'm thinking more of an internship kind of thing. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I'm oh going to be making you guys oh coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, Paul will require you to wipe his bum. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad I don't have to do that job anymore. Anymore. <laughs> anymore. Everyone's got to go through it at least once. <sighs> well, John, I, you I'd do it. I mean, I, I'd do it to be to be a knight of Rainsboro. That's not too high of a price to pay. Nice. That is exactly. <laughs> you know, I tell you what, gold star, my friend. Yeah. yeah. Ass kissing and bum wiping is the way to get to the top in this organization. <laughs> Highly rewarded. I'm playing to my strengths. <laughs> well, you know the drill, John. 
We're yep. going to go through uh, three characters. You're going to tell us three characters that you're interested in, and then we're going to make the selection of which one joins to become a knight of Rainsboro. Okay. Well, sure. it just so happens. Essentially, we're going to crap all over them, John. That's right. That's, <laughs> That's how right. This works. <laughs> well, apparently, I've got to clean that stuff up anyway, so it's okay. <laughs> Excellent. So, John. Yes first character please okay the first character i have in mind is a guy by the name of reverb and uh this is what i'm thinking about this is a character who um who is actually pretty young uh although you may not be able to tell it while he's in his hero guys um he is still in high school um his name is mark worth and he is a he's a ward of the state. He has been in and out of foster care all of his life. Um, he he's basically what you'd consider a mutant. He he started developing his uh, his abilities around puberty, and he's kept them kept them to himself because he's been in some pretty crappy foster homes from time to time, and uh, he's been in some good ones and he's been in some bad ones. Right now he's in one that he's not too happy with and he really he really can't wait until he can get out on his own and not have to live inside the system anymore um he is he is kind of overconfident not really cocky but he's but he he thinks he can do the superhero gig as well as people who've been doing it for years so uh you know, he's that's to his detriment at times. He might get into situations that you know are really not too good for him. Um, he has the abilities to be able to take ambient noise and amplify it to really incredible levels. So he can use it to create you know sonic blasts or, or walls of sound. Uh, maybe even be able to uh, to use sound vibrations to make himself fly, that kind of thing. Um, but what he doesn't know, and what w- would be something in his background that may come up, is that he is a. I'm kind of stealing this from Fringe just a bit, but he is a uh, he's a experiment. He is a um, a test subject of a secret government project that's trying to develop superpowered beings and once they gave birth to him and and created his abilities they sort of let him go out into the the normal world where they could observe him over time as he grew and developed and i figure at some point they're going to want him back um so that's that's reverb so he was intentionally released to see how he does out in the world, and at some point, this secret government agency will come and fetch him up. Yeah, something like that. So, so there's a little tidbit for the game master there. Absolutely. So um, tell me about you know he, you said that you know he's bounced from foster home to foster home, and the one he's in is is currently pretty bad. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell me what's bad about it. Well, it's one of those where you've got and uh, where you've got a set of people who aren't so much into fostering children for the the sake of the children; they're in it for the money. Okay. So you've got you've got his foster mother who is uh, you know has twelve kids there, and they don't get exactly what they need, and she's always uh, she's greedy. She's just trying to to rake in the money. The foster father is. Uh, an out of work drunk, and he, um, you know, he's he's just there to get what he can get out of it. Um, he's into the kids, he smacks them around, all that kind of thing. Uh, the character would probably like to just take him out himself, but he hasn't yet. What is uh, Mark's ethnicity? I hadn't really thought about that too much. I could probably slap anything on there, but I'm figuring he's a. Uh, um, Caucasian kid, you know. All right. Tell me about uh, uh, school. Does he have friends? Yeah, I think probably he probably has some friends. Probably not many because he is doing the he's doing the superhero thing, and he's he's bought into this idea that he's read in the comic books about how you know you get too many people close to you, 
and uh, they're going to get hurt by your enemies. So um, he's probably kind of he's probably kind of nerdy at school, maybe even intentionally a bit to try to throw people off, kind of the Clark Kentish type thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm thinking uh, friends is a good idea. Yeah. Okay. So he's got this small circle of friends. Yeah, maybe two. Let's okay. say. And uh, tell me what he and his friends might do on a night that he's not superheroing. What, what does he do when he hangs out with his friends? Well, I'm thinking since he's he's kind of into the uh, the nerd role that uh, his friends probably are too. Uh huh. So maybe they might uh, they might uh, spend. Um, uh, how about they? How about they run a World of Warcraft guild together? Um, so they do that. They play a lot of online games, maybe even play some role-playing games, that sort of thing. Okay. Go to movies, read books, um, pretty calm stuff. But Okay. Guys, any other questions for John around uh, Mark Worth? Uh, I might have missed it, but what kind of power set does he have? He can, he can amplify ambient noise. So any kind of noise that's going on, he can take it and... Uh, he can sculpt it. He can make it do things. He can blast people with it. He can almost make it sort of semi-solid. He can, uh, like I said, he might, he can even use it to be able to fly. He could maybe decrease uh, sound too, and maybe you know, you know, like uh, make it nice and quiet in an area if you're going to sneak around that kind of thing. So he's just a, he's a sound controller. But I'm thinking that he's got to have an ambient sound to be able to manipulate. So if somebody knew that, they could exploit it by, you know, putting him in a room where there's there's no sound at all. Um, so he's got to have something to work on, that kind of thing. So tell me about his general disposition. I mean, is he kind of a friendly guy? I mean, is he just kind of antisocial? I know he has friends. So we just discussed that. Um, but I mean, as far as, you know, how would his interaction with the with the Knights of Brainsboro be? Well, I see him as a as as not really an outgoing sort of kid, but he's but he's friendly and he's um, he's eager to please, I would say, and he's also really really into the idea of a quote unquote superhero. You know, he really wants to be the do the right thing. You know, uh, you know, be, be the be the good guy, big shiny superhero. That's what he that's what he thinks he he, he should be. So. He's he's really he really strives to get there and uh, but I also think that he's probably that's probably covering up a lot of a lot of anger he's got about you know how his how his past went and especially his current foster parents I think he kind of keeps it in check but I think it's there Does he have any memory of his birth parents No Okay so he and he, that yeah that that may be and I hadn't thought about it too much but that may be. Uh, intentional on the government organization part, mm-hmm. or they may have planted him with something false. But I'm thinking he really doesn't have much. As far as he knows, he was an infant when he was put in the system. All right. Uh, that's all the questions I have about Reverb. Tim, anything else? No, I'm good. Okay, one down. Okay. Hit us with your next one, John. The next one is Riptide. Um, it's a guy named Daniel Everett. Um Actually, Daniel is not human. Um, he is the member of a uh, he is a member of an undersea race of beings called the Aquians. The Aquians? Now, yes, yes, and that sounds kind of goofy, but that's all I could think of at the time. <laughs> but <laughs> here's my thought about him. He's he's a uh, you know a guy in his early twenties probably. And he was a he was a highborn noble amongst these people that live under the sea. Uh, he was to wed the daughter of um, of the emperor of these people, and it was an arranged marriage. And he didn't really like the idea too much. So one day he, you know, before he was to be wed, he takes off uh, and he runs. And the place he runs to is the surface world. So he is uh, he is here. To, he's trying to completely blend in with everyone. He doesn't really want anyone to know he's anything other than than a, than a, a human. There is a uh, 
there is a uh, a law that prohibits these Aquian people from from having any dealings with the surface dwellers. As a matter of fact, they probably go out of their way to spread disinformation that there really aren't any surface world people at all, just to keep everybody separate. Um, Daniel, though, knew about them and escaped to them. Um, he is uh, he brought with him a bunch of gold. Um, that's what he used to set himself up, and he set up this other identity for himself as this Daniel Everett. Um, he is he's currently at college. He's a college student. Uh, he's pre-law. He is he's kind of high-strung and impetuous and kind of a thrill seeker. And because of that, when he got here and saw how the the uh, all of the super beings were were here and what they were doing, he's like, I want to get in on that gig. So he's kind of into the whole thing for the uh, for the fun of it, um, for the thrill of it. I figure what's what's going to be going on is maybe his his family might be looking for him at some point, and there may be problems with that later down the road. But his what his powers are, the powers of his people are, he can control uh, water, so he, he can uh, um, he can use it to do. All sorts of things. He can make shapes out of it. He can he can uh, use it to lift himself up on. He can uh, he can uh, do things with water inside a person's body. Uh, but he's got like reverb has to have sound to work on. Riptide has to have water to work on. So he's got a you know he's either going to be like ripping it out of a fire hydrant or a water faucet or something. Uh, if he's stuck where he can't get to any water, he's he's going to have trouble doing much of anything. So, what's his appearance? Well, I think he probably he probably looks fairly human, although maybe he has a he has a uh, kind of an odd tone to his skin, where maybe people are like, you know, I don't I don't really know what his ethnicity is. It's not this, and it's not that, and he's kind of one of those people you can't really place. But I'm thinking that he he may have like some actual gill slits that he has to hide. You know, with a collared shirt or or something that you know that he tries to keep covered up, and I'm figuring that he needs some kind of contact with with water, you know, once a day or something to, to keep himself going. But so he looks a little odd, but not odd enough that you'd be like, oh my god, that's not a human person. So um, he has he has these abilities to manipulate water. You said those are abilities that all of his people have. Yeah. So if one of his, you know, uh, kinfolk were to, you know, arrive in town, would they be evenly matched? Or does he have something special about him uh, that puts him over and above his, uh, his, his, his people, other than his noble birth? You know, I don't really think so. I think probably all of these people are born with the, these sorts of abilities, but they need to be trained. Is and, it, and it, is it, uh, I'm just I'm just wanting to to clarify. Is this an ability that's common to everyone of his people, or just the nobleborn of his people? Well, I think the only way you can get trained to use this potential is if you're part of the noble class. Um, is it perhaps because there's no training uh, to the common people? Is it that they don't even know they have these abilities? Yeah, and, maybe. And that's maybe. maybe how the nobility stays in power. That's a good idea. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, they they may have uh, you know put it out there that oh no 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 you you know this is only you know if you're born to be a noble you'll have these great abilities otherwise you know no you don't have them. Okay. So, yeah, they may suppress that knowledge that anyone can really do it. And you know he, these are all uh, uh, underwater dwellers. Mm-hmm. He clearly is able to walk around on land. Is that mm-hmm. also a unique ability to to him? Is it a unique ability to the no, uh, nobility, or can all of them do it? No, I think any of them can, but I think there again, it's it, they don't even tell their own people that there really is a surface world for them to interact with. So sure, uh, they they'd have no way to test you know that at all. But I think it's I think it would probably be an ability of the race. Um, and so, you know, uh, clearly some people know that there's a surface world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right. What keeps them from being more engaged uh, in the surface world? I think generally it is a 
it's the idea that they're afraid of what the um, what the humans might do if they really know of these Aquians' existence. I think they're afraid that their whole empire would be destroyed um, because there there aren't nearly as many of them as there are humans. I mean, it, gotcha. Uh, so they're trying to defend themselves by by stealth. So uh, in order to be unaware of the uh, the surface dwellers, you'd have to like be way down at the very you know deep parts of the ocean, like you right. know down in the trenches, that kind of thing. Yeah, and and rarely venture, venturing up. Do, am I am I am I hitting that right? That is what I was thinking. Yeah. Okay. So uh, in the very dark, dark uh, recesses of the ocean. So maybe your guy has uh, some vision abilities as well to to see in limited light, that kind of thing. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. Yeah, something like that, or maybe some kind of a uh, some kind of a sonar sense, mm-hmm. kind of an echolocation sort of thing. So let me ask this. He, his people live way in the deep dark. Is your guy blind? Hmm. That's an interesting idea. Uh, maybe so. That could be. Tell me what you think about that. Well, that'd be a fun thing to play. Mm-hmm. Um, um, He's kind of your Matt Murdock Aquaman. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> a daredevil fish. Yeah, yeah. That, kind of, that kind of thing. Yeah. Aquadevil. I like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that could be kind of cool. Okay, so you, you want to go with that? Yeah, I, I like that idea, and it, and he uses his echolocation kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, I like that. Okay. And and maybe there's something you know like uh, I don't know some kind of tactile uh, enhanced tactile abilities. You know, you know how like uh, Daredevil can can read regular print with his fingertips. You know mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Because you know his other yeah. senses would be greater. Yeah, I, I think so. And maybe he could. Uh, he, he's really good at uh, you know detecting uh, air currents and that kind of thing. You get you know someone walks into a room, he doesn't even really have to be facing them to know they came in. Sure. Pressure sensitive kind of thing, maybe. Yeah, and you know sense of smell. You know he'd be able to smell water. You know. Yeah. You because know, you know he, he's got to be close to water to, for, to utilize his powers, and he right. has to you know uh, be in contact with water every so often. So let me ask mm-hmm. you this: It's okay. got to be in contact with water every so often. Does it mm-hmm. make a difference if it's fresh water or if it's salt water? I I would think that it would be salt water. I agree. I'm thinking that he probably somewhere. Uh, has a uh, some sort of a tank, a bathtub, or something that he maintains at the proper salinity and temperature, and you know he goes and jumps in there for a few hours or whatever. Kind every of like day. A, maybe a deprivation tank that he sleeps in. Yeah, that's salt water. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but he but he does not talk to fish. <laughs> he doesn't talk to fish, huh? Okay. No. All right. Well, I was I was really looking forward to all the conversations you were going to have with the uh, you know the uh, lobsters at uh, the seafood restaurant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So he's of noble birth. He's impetuous. He mm-hmm. is uh, uh, high strung. Now you know from no from being from noble birth, does he see himself above people? You know, I, I'm thinking not. I, I'm thinking that, yeah, I mean, he's noble born and he knows what that's all about, but he sees it. He's only see, ever seen it as a limitation because it's all about duty. You know, you got to do this. You got to marry this person. You got you're going to be this when you grow up. And he's just he he doesn't like it. Um, he he's that's one of the reasons he left. It was his his opportunity to chuck the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, and he can do what he wants now. All right, Paul. What do you think? Um, so, tell me about. Uh, does he have anybody who knows of his birthright? I mean, is there any in his supporting cast? I mean, does he have a supporting cast? I mean, you know, what what is? You know, well, tell me about the people who uh, who follow. I, I, you know, who who support him in his life. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think he's obviously going to have some friends because he is sort of an outgoing uh, person. He's kind of a party guy, so 
I think he's probably going to have a pretty, pretty broad group of people at at, uh, at the university with him. As far as anybody who actually knows, um, he's he tries to go to great pains to make sure nobody finds out because you know the last thing he wants to have happen is for somehow somebody to to find out and then you know here comes dad looking for me. Um, so maybe maybe there's not someone who knows, but I kind of like the idea of having somebody who's suspicious. Uh, you know, so maybe as the story would go along, there's there's one of his friends who's like, you know, there's not there's something not quite right with Danny, you know, and I want to find out what it is. Uh, uh, so maybe he has a friend who starts being uh, very inquisitive about some of his oddities. So does uh, he stay in contact at all with his hometown, with his with his with his people under the sea? No. No, his whole objective is to have no contact with them at all. Um, he's he's deathly afraid that word's going to get out of where he is, and and it's going to ruin everything. And the last thing he wants to do is to go back there. So how did he exit? Did he just like disappear one day? I think he kind of uh, you know he knew he was he had this arranged marriage and it was the last straw and he he didn't want to do that. He didn't want to be a great general and that sort of thing. And, uh, so he plotted a way to escape, and um, I'm thinking that uh, maybe he took the opportunity when he was supposed to be traveling from one place to another or something like that, and he just sort of took off. Uh, maybe he had help. I don't know. Maybe there was somebody there that he could trust and who helped him. That's something I hadn't thought of, though. It would be kind of cool if he yeah. really did have maybe an, an old retainer maybe that he – you know, was was always the guy who was he was under his wing, and he didn't want him to be trapped either. So he helped him escape, maybe. Sure. Um, okay, Tim. So you kind of talked about how the Aquians, some of them know about the surface world. Do you see like if there's like a, a government agency or it, how in the know are humans about Aquians? Well. As we were talking, I was thinking that one thing that could be kind of cool is if somebody, um, some high-ranking person actually does know of their existence. Uh, let's face it, these days with technology, it would be really hard for them to hide. But maybe they've worked out some sort of deal. Maybe the uh, the Aquian government is working with the human government and they're providing the some human government with something, some resource maybe – to uh, to keep the status quo going, so as long as they keep you know feeding feeding the surface organization with whatever this thing is, then they're left alone and they can keep things like it is. I think that's so, a really cool idea. I want it not to be the U.S. Yeah. Like, wouldn't that be cool if they were like working with China or something? Or the French, the Cousteau <laughs> Society. <laughs> Anything else for uh, John and Riptide? Wait, did we tell? Did we say what Riptide's secret or secret identity name was? Daniel yeah, Everett. It. Right. Okay. Cool. All right. All right, John. Last yeah. but not least, give us number three. Number three is the Cryonaut. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here's so he the doesn't cryonaut. cry. That's that's what he does. He doesn't cry. He, he does not. Yeah. Um, here's his story. His name is Dr. Henry Jackson. He um, is or was a uh, a brilliant man of science, and he's not from this era. Um, as a matter of fact, Dr. Jackson in 1938 was working for the U.S. War Department. Um, you know, Germany was threatening, and the War Department was ratcheting things up, especially with some secret projects to try to develop some, some science of tomorrow to help them out with, with, uh, with the threat from Germany. And Dr. Jackson was working on a, a way to develop a weapon that would actually freeze uh, the target. It's like, kind of like a cold ray. Mm-hmm. Um, this was his area of expertise. 
and he's working in this secret facility. Um, unfortunately, there were Nazi spies, and they discovered what was going on, and they attempted to destroy the lab. And when all that happened, Dr. Jackson's machinery exploded, uh, covering with this, covering him with this sub-zero fluid, and he nearly died and was hospitalized for months. But when he woke up, he discovered he had these amazing abilities to control cold. Um, he was intrigued, uh, tried to keep it secret, tried to keep it under wraps because he didn't really know what was going on. It scared him a little bit at first. So once he got out of the hospital, he started playing around with his ability to control cold. He uh, um, he got to where he, he developed a pretty good level of proficiency with it. He could uh, he could shoot cold blasts from his hands. He could uh, he could lower the temperature in a room. He could create kind of like miniature snowstorms, and he could even manipulate temperature in, in this fast fluctuation that would allow him to fly. Um, and as he did this, you know, things were starting to starting to heat up in Europe. Uh, and uh, as as the Germans, you know, waged war, he thought. You know, I think I need to help out, and I'm going to use my abilities to do it. So he develops this persona called the Cryonaut, and uh, he uh, picture him, you know, in a blue and white costume, and he's got this this Art Deco kind of helmet, sort of like the Rocketeer, uh, with a uh, kind of a big uh, a big swept back spire on the top. Um, Anyway, he goes around and he's like a lot like Captain America. He's like helping the helping the army fight the Germans, and then back home he's like, you know, beating up bad guys and and all that sort of thing. Um, and a couple of years go by. It's 1940, and he's developed an, a um, a relationship with this this villain, this arch villain of his named Doctor Kronos. Dr. Kronos is a manipulator of time. Um, he he used his powers to control time to do all these sorts of nefarious things. And he was developing this, this time machine uh, in 1940. He planned to go back in time and prevent the accident that caused the Crynaut to be born. Um, so it was a big battle. And uh, um, in the midst of this big battle, the... the Dr. Kronos's equipment overloaded was going to explode. The Cryonaut had a couple of uh, a couple of friends there, a girlfriend that he had, and the police commissioner. And he shielded them from the explosion with his cold powers. Took the full brunt of the thing as it blew up, and they thought he was vaporized in the explosion. Turns out he was not vaporized. He was catapulted forward into time, and here he is now in modern day. And he's trying to, you know, he's trying to keep. He, he brings out his his uh, his cryonaut um, persona again, and you know, folks think, oh, you know, here's another guy who's come along and he's donned the uh, the suit now and, and has the cold powers, and it's like a new cryonaut. They don't know it's really the same guy. Um, so he he's basically doing the hero thing again. And what he's doing is he's looking for evidence in this time period of any of, of, of Dr. Kronos's activities. He knows he was a time traveler traveler. And he hopes that maybe he's been through here or been around here in this time. And maybe he can find out something and latch on to something that Kronos has done here, or maybe even find him himself and be able to get back to 1940. That's his whole goal. So that's the cry not. So the cryonaut is essentially a nut, 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 man out of time. Is that correct? <laughs> exactly. Sweet Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't understand. No, I love it. I okay. love it. <laughs> so um, he manipulates cold. Yes, he does. He uh, tell me what tell me what he looks like when he's you know when he is uh, you know being the cryonaut. Well, here's how I picture him. He's got a, you know, a blue and white bodysuit kind of thing, um, and he's got like, uh, you know, white gloves and boots that are are lined with fur. He wears this big white uh, cloak, and like I said, he's got this silvery-looking, almost like a, like I said, kind of a cross between Rocketeer and Doctor Fate, 
kind of helmet on. Okay. Pretty much obscures his whole face. So is there is there any kind of a is, is he when he's being crying out is is it just cold around him? You know, is there uh, if he walks into a warm room is vapor coming up off of his body? I think if if he's yeah, if he's in the crying out suit and that's what he's doing, yeah, he's it's chilly around him. So he is cast adrift here in 2012. Yeah, and he, you know, he, he. I know it's kind of it's been done a lot, especially with the new Avengers movie. But he, you know, he doesn't get the references. He doesn't, you know, he's kind of like golly gee whiz sort of, you know, kind of guy. I mean, he's what you'd expect to see from a superhero serial from. The forties, you know, that's kind of sure. how he acts. Okay. Um. So what is he? You know, he 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 arrives here in uh, Rainsboro, modern day Rainsboro. Is perhaps he in past day Rainsboro when all of this happens? I was kind of thinking that maybe maybe his whole thing could have been in Rainsboro of, mm-hmm. of you know the nineteen forties. And so you 19, know, it's, it's my how the city has changed. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, he doesn't recognize anything anymore, and you know. Um, so what? Yeah. Do you, what do you imagine? Do you see? Do you see him landing in in Rainsboro in game, or has he been in Rainsboro for a while? Um, well, I guess um, I'd be. You know, I think it would be cool to see that either way. Um, it could be. It could be fun to play that out. Mm-hmm. I guess. Um, if if you know you went that route he'd really be lost i mean you know he wouldn't you know he he wouldn't get much of any of what was going on as far as modern technology and how people talk and slang terms and all that kind of stuff you know they taking the other route maybe he's been here for a while and kind of is not completely inept but uh, sure either one of those could be fun so you know he would be the second scientist on the team the second mm-hmm. smarty pants Mm-hmm. You know, and he is uh, he's he he is a learned man, but of course a man whose whose knowledge is you know fifty plus years out of uh, right out of continuity. Um, so, uh, how do you think he might uh, relate to Hair Trigger? Gosh, um, I don't know. He'd be uh, he'd probably be shocked that a, uh, maybe a woman is such a prominent superhero. Mm-hmm. Maybe. That might seem weird to him. Mm-hmm. He might he he might be really 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 annoyingly protective of her. He might also be really really interested in knowing what she knows about you know modern science. So and I'm he thinking he'd, he'd really want to maybe you know learn whatever he could from her. You know. And his physical age is probably thirty. Okay. Tim, what do you think? How golden age are we talking, John? Well, I mean, his his attitudes would definitely be ones from around 1940, like I said. Now, he's not going to be – I wouldn't play him as like you know a totally um, goofy all the time, uh, you know, over-the-top type deal. But, you know, he, he would definitely be about, you know, wanting to uh, keep going the traditional values that made America great kind of thing. But at the same time, you know, he takes – is superheroing very seriously, you know, protecting the people and all that sort of thing is a, a uh, to him it's a, it's the ultimate responsibility of anybody who dons the tights, kind of thing. Paul, so he he at this point he's kind of a loner, coming into the the modern day setting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he doesn't. Um, I mean, he doesn't know anybody. If he does, there there may be somebody in an old folks home that's ninety years old that he maybe might know. So is he homeless? Um, if if we played it where he shows up in game, then yeah, he's got nothing. Uh, if we don't, then um, then I'm gonna say no. He's probably found something that he can do to make some money, but it's probably nothing in line with his his abilities. He has uh, stepped up to become a VCR repairman. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so it's it's something like that he's got some sort of mundane job that you know he does okay very cool anything else on the cryonaut guys okay well i will go go i will review 
the three candidates. We have Reverb, who is a high school-aged kid, probably 16-ish, uh, a foster child who is overconfident, cocky, and uh, uh, he, he, is, he has powers over sound. He can turn ambient sound all the way up to 11. Um, he, he is the product of a, of a gov- secret government experiment released into the wild and one day, someday, will be recovered by this government agency. Then we have Riptide, an impetuous, high-strung, not-human, aqu- <laughs> I'm sorry, Aquian, um, who uh, has escaped from his underwater kingdom to live amongst the surface dwellers. And he has powers over water and uh, can shape them and control them. And, you know, we, we decided that he is sort of the, the uh, Matt Murdock of the Aquaman set. He, uh, he is Aqua Devil or, or <laughs> Dare Man. Um, uh, he, 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 his other senses are greater, but he does have to uh, be in contact with salt water uh, once a day-ish. Uh, his supporting cast would include fellow students and uh, someone who is perhaps suspicious of his identity. And then last but not least, we've got the cryonaut, a man out of time, Dr. Henry Jackson, circa 1938, uh, part of a uh, of a uh, government er- experiment gone awry, giving him powers over the cold, and now trapped in a world he never made. So, <laughs> the cryonaut, Riptide, and Reverb. Tim, what are your thoughts? There's there's a there's there's I've I've written down like stuff for positives. I've written down stuff for stuff that I that kind of. It's like a, it's kind of a negative to me. So um, let's see which one is which one am I least concerned about? Um, I think reverb is probably my vote. Okay, um, tell I, me why. I, tell me, tell you why. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the powers that he has. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 you know, I, I can. It's kind of the. Uh, I, I've always had a thing for you know the teenage superhero story, so. I kind of like the fact that he, you know, he's got this story where he's in a WoW guild and, you know, he's kind of, a, he's kind of, you know, made friends even though his, his he's been moved from place to place. I kind of like that story. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what I would, what I would say. Paul? Well, I like Reverb, um, but my vote was actually going to be for Riptide. Because I and not just because of the character, um, but because I like the story possibilities that it brings. Um, I like the new race that it could bring um, to 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 the environment. You know, we have characters that fit in a bunch of different. I don't want a bunch of different. What is the word I'm looking for? Environments. Not environments, but you know, we Genres. we have. Yeah, we, like they fit a certain archetype. Oh, okay. Right. You know, we have we have characters that fit a certain archetype, but we don't have that type of character. We don't because you know, unfortunately, because uh, John, the last Jonathan, faux John, <laughs> uh, false Jonathan, false Jonathan, fringe John, really, um, because his character fell through. We don't really have the otherworldly character right now. The character with a background, you know, the character from another race or anything like that, um, and I feel like. That you know, yes, this guy technically has been living a human life for a good long time, but you know he's not human. Um, he also has a personality that I feel we don't have on the team right now. You know, the the partier, the super outgoing type. You know, yes, um, Ricochet is kind of this outgoing comedian, but he's not. You know, he's not a party animal. You know, he's not a college kid type guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel that Riptide would bring that. You know, different sensibility right. uh, to the team, and I, I like that character. Now, that's not to say that I didn't like Reverb. I do like Reverb. I do think he he is also an interesting character. I just feel like Riptide actually had more story possibilities for me. But you just hate Cryonaut, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't hate Cryonaut. I just um, you just want to take a the- poop on his chest. <laughs> I'm not Isn't complaining that a sign that of love. Is that not a sign of love? 
Uh, no, he, but out of the three, he was the one I was least interested in. John, what are your thoughts? Oh, gosh. Uh, hmm. Well, I bought them all, so I like them all. Um, but you have to make a Sophie's choice here, John. <laughs> I figured I figured the cryonaut was probably not – it was probably the least likely to fit in with the group. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but so, um, so, so, Tim, you uh, – you said you were making a pros and con list, and that Reverb was the character you were least concerned about. What concerns do you have about Riptide? He's derivative as all hell. What do you mean, derivative? <laughs> well, everybody's derivative in a superhero game, right? Right. But he's in Aquaman, 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 Aquaman. Yeah, but he's Aquaman. blind, so he's like Aqua Daredevil. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, so I, I picked the guy the, – the, I picked – Reverb because he was the least derivative. Uh-huh. I thought he was the most original, I guess. Uh-huh. I, and that's kind of that. That was my problem with Riptide. Okay, but you didn't have a problem like you didn't think he would fit in. You didn't. You you were concerned that uh, you know he might not be useful in, 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 a, in a in a fight. That no, but in all, I Paul Paul mentioned the otherworldly character as a positive. I would also kind of put that on the other side of the ledger too. It's harder to. It's harder for me to kind of you know think that way you know the alien kind of way i guess i don't know a a little bit okay i guess that's my opinion but well john (laughs) from my perspective i like both riptide and reverb a lot and I, i i i can think of all kinds of things to do with both of them uh, but he doesn't like poop chest. Just saying. Well, yeah, I, I, <laughs> you know, I like Cryonaut. I Captain just don't chest. know that that uh, that uh, he probably shouldn't have his chest pooped on. That's all I'm saying. I think that I will uh, I will save Cryonaut for the next time I play Spirit of the Century, and I'll, I'll leave him in the 40s. And he he sounds like I mean I I think there's something there. I mean I think he's a great character. I'm just not sure that he's right for Rainsboro. Yeah, right. If we were to do a a Rainsboro pulp game, absolutely I think he would be fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. and now that I think about it, that sounds really freaking great. <laughs> <laughs> There's your game for Fear the Con Six, Paul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pulp of rain, no, something like that. Spirit yeah. of Rainsboro. <laughs> <laughs> pulp of Rainsboro. It's all about oranges. There's a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, surprisingly enough. There's an orange orchard in uh, in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> it's being threatened. I want to I want to be it's Citrus Boy. <laughs> okay, so John, it's up to you. Is Gosh. it is it Riptide or is it Reverb? Hmm. It's uh, it's a tough choice for me. Um, I like them both. Um, uh, I will have to say that I do agree with Tim that there, the derivative nature of Riptide is maybe pretty much right out there in the open, but I I sort of like it even though it's derivative. Yeah, but, no, uh, I agree. I, it, I, it doesn't bother me one little bit. I've been reading too much Aquaman lately. I think it's my problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like... I like his personality probably better to – I think it would be more fun to role-play that mm-hmm. um, than, than Reverb. Um, Sounds to me like you're leaning towards Riptide. Yeah, I'm kind of leaning towards Riptide. All right, Riptide it is. Very exciting. Okay. Yay, Riptide. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, there you go. You're now an official knight of Rainsboro. Wow. Wow. That is too awesome. Give him the keys to, keys to the treehouse. <laughs> I have a treehouse. We got kicked out what? of the treehouse. No treehouse? What? <laughs> I was told there'd be a treehouse. <laughs> well, that's before Little Miss little Miss Hot to Trot there got in a snit with her boss. Then we well, lost her treehouse. But we still have bums for you to wipe, so. Yes. <laughs> okay, well, that's, that's good then. <laughs> Well, awesome. Well, uh, John, uh, do you need any help rolling up your character? I, or you, you're familiar enough with uh, the Savage Worlds creation, yada yada? Yeah, all I need to know is kind of what sort of power level 
Um, I think we we kicked him off at seasoned. Isn't that what we did, Tim? Yep. Yeah. Okay. That's where I'll put him then. Seasoned. Yep. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Before we get our XP for last season, Aaron. Well, sadly, uh, the newbie doesn't get XP, but that's what we will do in our next uh, session. You know, I would have no respect for you as a GM if you did give me XP I didn't deserve. So now we we will have uh, this was our first uh, pregame session for season two, uh, where we did the the new character that we're adding to the team. Uh, we will also have a session where we talk about the experience points that the guys earned from season one, as well as uh, pick John's mind about. Uh, things that we might want to add to our sandbox setting, as well as talk with the rest of the guys about the items that, that they want to make sure that we haven't forgotten from Season 1 that we want to carry forward, or any items that they want to tweak or enhance for Season 2. So all of that is yet to come in your Knights of Rainsboro Season 2 sandbox sessions. Oh, can't wait. John, are you just as excited as you can be? I am. I am. Uh, it's. I mean, my uh, my internet celebrity ranking is going to go way up. Way up, huge. Mm-hmm. I might be like you know J list or G list maybe now. <laughs> yeah. Let me just tell you, being a night of Rainsboro will get you laid. Just saying. Great. That is awesome. Ideology of Madness actual play is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. Theme music provided by Eric Dietrich. You can learn more about Eric and his music at musicalley.com. No LARPers were harmed in the production of this podcast, but not for lack of trying.